0: This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am your host, Swathananda Kumar. ACB's advocacy and outreach specialist, and um, as always, thank you to everyone listening, downloading, subscribing, and sharing the podcast via your favorite podcast player. And thank you to ACP Minnesota for underwriting the, underwriting the podcast. Um, today, we're talking today is just like a new year, new goals kind of a kind of a mini, mini series. So first up, we're talking with Tom Tobin and Sheila siren from the get up get up get 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 my campaign so hi
2: guys who are you hi swatha Swatha. hi Hi, tom hi sheila happy new year everyone happy Um, new year yeah swatha thank you so much for uh having us on your first show of the year i believe and um We We are
3: are the
2: first one. Yeah. We'll try not to do it wrong. Uh, We're getting, we're getting good at this, Sheila. Anyway, but seriously, thank you for having us on and helping us promote, you know, the get up and get moving campaign. Um, We've got some ambitious goals for 2022. And so I can kind of go over those and I will just read the disclaimer that this is subject to change based on, uh, you know, resources, people, you know, venues—you name it. Um, but
3: oh, now Tom, don't you know when when they do those commercials for new drugs on TV? You say all the good stuff first, then at the end you talk really fast and you go about the.
2: Very good, Sheila. You, you good don't yet. start out with that bad news. Well, I guess I've got plenty yeah. to do. But anyway, I figured if I sure waited to the end, I would probably forget. But anyway, so just give, give your audience swath of sort of the high level of where we're going. And again, despite Sheila, it is is subject to change. Um, but um, so, yeah, so it's it's hard to believe we're into 2022, but I'm so glad we're out of 2021. And the Get Up and Get Moving Committee, you know, I'm not going to end here, had a really good, I thought, first um really six months we haven't we started in june so we haven't really been together for a full year yet but um so we're just getting up and getting going our first formal event is going to be the dc leadership conference uh in march um to, to providing on what the board decides to do around pro- COVID, covid protocols but um so what we intend to do is to um, talk about um, the initiatives that we have and the uh direction that we 're going to be going for the year and really under connie sims's um, leadership uh, we will really try and to take a big step towards engaging our state and special interest affiliate presidents and their members of their team because really if we 're going to take the the uh, campaign fully across the country, we need to engage um, our partners at the state and special interest level. So um, I know that Connie and Sheila will be working together as co-chairs of the advocacy committee.
3: And we will be talking about, um, you know, getting, you know, combining our campaign into getting the resolutions that were passed. We're going to spend a lot of energy trying to figure out how we can all work together and get the affiliates involved in helping to enact those resolutions.
2: I think okay. we're just trying to get some leverage on all those resolutions with the initiatives that we are taking up it in the Get Up and Get Moving uh, campaign. So, sorry, that's my home Yeah, phone the one. health-related
3: ones will, health you know, related ones, will right. relate so, to us.
2: Yep, definitely. And no, I think that's great and I don't know Swatha if it's if this is a done deal yet but I know that Charles Nabarete, who is uh, one of my board members for ACB diabetics in action is pushing hard to get the diabetes HR 4853 um you know on the legislative imperative so they would be part of the packets going up to Yeah on, on um, it, Hill. it is the non-visual um uh, non-vis- uh, medical non-vis- medical medical non-visual yeah. accessibility act accessibility act
3: yeah accessible uh, Medical Devices Act is definitely going to be one of the imperatives. And the other one is going to be the, um, the, ah, they have, what's the name of the, the um, exercise and fitness for all act fitness and exercise
2: for all act is one of the other two. It, mm-hmm. Right. I don't know the number, but yeah, that's, that's, it's yeah. all around accessible just, when
3: they're stuff. acts, we don't have to call the numbers. We could just yeah, say, so, yeah. <laughs> as we know, you know, the, durable medical equipment is we have to get this written in so that we can actually get those companies to, to take action on what, how many, how many years do you think we've been fighting
2: for this? Well, a lot of years. How far do you go?
3: Cause you go back further on this. I, than I go, I do. Well,
2: I go back to the eighties <laughs> when we had absolutely not, nothing from an accessibility standpoint to help someone manage their diabetes and, it was in 1988 that we worked hard with LifeScan, a subsidiary of Johnson and Johnson. And they actually came and helped us. They weren't going to build it for us, but they showed us how to make the one touch two blood glucose meter talk. And so it's a long story, but at the end of the day, the American foundation for the blind and their research dollars came up with what was known as the touch and talk 2, and it basically just plugged into the side of the glucose meter. And so everything that was, sent across the screen visually was also sent to that data jacket. So it was spoken. So bada bing, bada boom, we had our first fully accessible blood glucose meter. And as a type one diabetic who lost his vision from the disease, uh, it revolutionized my life because um, it was the first time I could self manage my disease. So, and that was, that, that started what I, I call the adaptive diabetes revolution and that went on for about 12 years. So went on, close to early two thousands and then it just kinda went away. So Sheila, to your point, we gotta reignite that fuse, that flame, and, and get farmer to step up and and uh it's not just do the right thing in my mind, it's to do what would be a good shrewd business decision because if whoever you know builds the first accessible, fully accessible insulin pump there's going to be a lot of blind and visually impaired diabetics that stampede, just like we all stampeded to all things iOS in the day. So that's my view. Um, that's where I see us going. And, um, but yeah, you're right, Sheila, we gotta, we gotta light that fuse again. We gotta get light of fire on their people's back ends and, and their feet and get, get moving on this. Cause it's, um, it, it, you know, experientially, uh, when I was on a pump in the nineties, technology was certainly a barrier. Um, but I still find a way to make it work. Now, technology is so much more sophisticated today. We should be able to make all these devices, as you were saying, Sheila, you know, have some way to make them fully accessible, whether it's through an app on your smartphone or compelling farmer to make uh, their readers that are used with continuous glucose monitors talk. So people can use that device to read their blood sugars. Um, and,
3: and, 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 there has to be options. There has to be options because, Not everybody can use a smart device or has a smart device.
2: Key rect, and I would also say options and choice. Um, It was so interesting to me that when we got the the, uh, one touch two blood glucose meter to talk with the touch and talk two, a lot of the pharmaceuticals jumped on the bandwagon and they all came out with their own individual fully accessible glucose meters. And so for the first time in my life as a blind diabetic, I not only had a choice or, you know, an, one option, I had choices. I could actually select. It's not a novel idea right now in mainstream society for people that have normal vision, they have the choice of hundreds and hundreds of different blood glucose meters. Just. Wow. On what, yeah. I so didn't know that. Yeah. Quite a, few, well, quite a few.
3: And, and, you know, besides the details of what this act will or won't do after, after everyone gets through having their say, <laughs> um, I think an important thing for us to focus on in ACB is the importance of getting our people more involved with the process of making this happen. Of really, this stuff is not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, unless people get out of their comfort zones, pick up their telephones, call their congressmen, call their senators. Um, memorize uh, a few uh, lines, you know, of information, practice saying it to your husband, your friend, get brave and because we, we really if they don't hear from us and if they don't hear from more than the small handful of us and i know when you're used to doing it it's kind of easy it's like okay i've got this one i need to i need to make a phone call today i need to send an email i need to and i know when it's a new thing it's it's scary it's washington dc it's the government but acb offers all Sorts of tools and training opportunities. We're going to have a you know a two hour legislative seminar where we're going to have um, we're going to have breakout sessions. The second hour where we're going to um, learn about well several things, but one of the the one I want to focus on right now is there will be we will have role playing and we will have community calls in the weeks coming up. The seminar, and honestly, if people don't get involved and do more, you know, with the how many people are in ACB Swatha? Do you know
2: 8,000? I would say, and uh, you know, Sheila, that's a great segue because um, I'm gonna brag a little bit about uh, something that we did uh, in a collaboration with Get Up and Get Moving and. Uh, ACB Diabetics in Action, the special interest affiliate, Um, uh, Sheila Styron, uh, my colleague here today, and Chris Gray, who's the co-chair of the legislative committee for ACB Diabetics, and Charles Naparete, uh, who's the co-chair, put on an absolutely fabulous advocacy one-on-one primer, and um, I'm pretty sure, Swatha, that it's posted on the website somewhere, I don't know exactly where, but it's a podcast too so you can find it yeah so i just want to wave that flag because sheila is talking with great tremendous passion about why people need to get engaged and if you want to listen to an hour and a half podcast that really helps you understand how the advocacy process works i encourage you invite you to listen to that podcast that was again produced in collaboration between uh, get up and get moving and acb diabetics it's a uh, you guys did such a fabulous job with that i'm so proud of you and so proud of that and it's a great resource and but you're right, Sheila people need to take to avail themselves of those resources and those tools and empower themselves um Yeah, the
3: advocacy, uh, the the EAC and the Transportation Committee are going to be um, offering some some other training at the leadership meetings this year. Uh, We'll be actually doing some advocacy training, breaking it down into federal, state, and local level approaches. So there will be yet another opportunity. And it's not that it's so hard. The main thing is you need to you need to decide that you're going to do it. You need to believe in these things, and if you have diabetes, which many people do, how can you not believe in it? How can you not take some responsibilities some you know, and participate in
2: in these you know processes? I yeah. well, I like to say, Sheila, that uh, I don't know if this is sort of a flippant statement, but you know, the men and women in Congress and the Senate and in government, they work for us. We pay their salaries, so. You should have no uh, reluctance or hesitation to pick up the phone. And they're only going to give you a few minutes and just talk about why, in this case, HR 4853 is so important and that we have to have a level playing field when it comes to access to so many things. But as Sheila was saying earlier, in particular, um, durable medical equipment that helps me better manage my disease because the better I manage my diabetes, The healthier I'm going to be, the better life I'm going to live. And um, it's all good. But if I don't have the tools, it makes it a lot harder.
3: You know, sometimes advocacy reminds me of that old chicken little story. Do you remember that?
2: No, you tell us the story. <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell it
3: very well, but you know, Chicken Little. She she had some grain, and she's like, "Oh, who who will help me plant the grain?" And nobody really came forward. Who will help me take care of it? Nobody was really very very helpful. And then, oh, it's time to harvest the grain. Is tall and beautiful, and and she's um, you know, so she harvests the grain, and now. Oh, gosh, you know, we could make some great bread with this, who will help me bake the bread. And still nobody's really coming forward. And then guess what she asks next, who will help me eat the bread. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> well, everybody, everybody wants to help. Lick Chicken Little Eat the Bread, and everybody wants the durable, accessible medical equipment. Everybody wants machines and gyms to talk and wants a friendly staff person to come up to you and say, Hi, blind person, how would you like me to assist you here in this fine physical fitness facility? You know, we (laughs) all want to eat the bread. And But we have to be willing to help bake the bread. We've got to work on these legislative issues. So I really do hope you will all think hard, make room in your schedules, pay attention to all of the great offerings that ACB puts out for us, you know, to uh, take advantage of, of the talent of some of the people who really know how to do this and then, you know, to feed off of their energy and just think how much better the bread will taste when you've actually had a part in making it. Don't you just love it when you've cooked something great for dinner or when, you know, you've done something in the yard and it's turned out great or you've, you've, you've finally finished writing your paper for college or whatever it is. I always feel better when i have participated in the process it, it it has more meaning and if you never have had that experience it's time you do
2: <laughs> I would agree. Right, so let's Andrew. let me let me pick up on our, our uh agenda for twenty twenty-two since we're <laughs> yeah, let's just, over. But the next just thing the next our thing, way through the year here. The next so. thing on our on our get up and get moving agenda for twenty twenty-two, if we can pull it off, is to have an event in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's such a lovely area. And um I know lynn Bailey Page, who is uh staff is helping to coordinate that and um That could be on the Fisherman's Wharf area. We don't know exactly where it's going to be. But again, as Sheila was saying earlier, ladies and gentlemen, you know, one half or one part of this campaign is to get those people in our community off of our back ends and get up and get moving, however, whatever that means to you and however that means to you. So if it means just tapping your toe, tap your toe. If it means Sheila running a half marathon, go for it, Sheila, run a half marathon. But the other half... Yeah. The other half of this campaign is all about visibility. We want to be integrated into our, the mainstream society. So all of us in our community, our blindness community and low vision community, you know, we all have goals, aspirations, um, and and dreams that we'd like to fulfill. And we need to be integrated into our communities in order to make that happen. So we can't do that in a vacuum. That's not the way the world works. So being out there, being visible, And to Sheila's point, being um, vocal professionally in a nice way, but being vocal about what we want, what what our needs are. Um, I don't think any of us need to be uh, embarrassed about expressing what our feelings are and why we want these things that we need to live happier, healthier, and fuller lives. Right, Sheila?
3: That is absolutely right. And I think you have started down the road that makes me want to talk about the advocacy high five. I love how we're just stretching out our, our yearly agenda and just fitting all this stuff in as we go. But, you know, we've talked about how important advocacy is. We've talked about a little bit about we need to get up and get moving. And now you have just brought up visibility. And I just want to touch on through through the power of the Advocacy High Five, you know, some of these important things that all need to be in place before we can really get up and get moving with uh, complete success and with less fewer barriers, hopefully no barriers someday. But the Advocacy High Five, we've created a, a little... Um, image to go with this to help us remember what these things are and how they work and I want you all to play along if you will hold up it doesn't matter if it's your right hand or your left hand but hold it up give a give a high five to your listening device and let's talk about our thumb which we can refer to think of as the thumb drive and that will let us think about accessible transportation all the work that we need to do to get that transportation that we need that ties in with so many aspects of being healthy. Why do we need that? Well, we got to go to the doctor's office. we got to get to the gym. we got to be able to get out and walk on sidewalks that aren't broken or sidewalks that at least exist. And this applies whether you live in a rural or an urban environment. So transportation is very important when it comes to get up and getting moving, getting up and getting moving, Uh, get my little tenses straight. The next finger points the way to accessible exercise equipment, accessible exercise equipment, whether it is in your gym, whether it's in the home, in hospitals, accessible everything in hospitals, you know how do we how do we contact the staff when we need help if we're in the hospital rehab centers? How can we function in rehab centers? How can we get all the benefits that our cited counterparts have? Um, it's just really important that all of these various venues where we need to participate to be healthy, that these are accessible for us and that we have the assistance we need to get the same services that everyone else receives. Our next finger is the longest run one, and that's because it's a long reach. And it's a long reach to accessible medical care across the board. The facilities aren't always accessible. We need to work on that medications we we came a long way this this last fall with our um accessible medical labeling through um that wasn't cvs who was this most recent spoken one so RX, the, that
1: yes X
3: rx yeah that's it thank you all one all of a sudden when i'm on um, doing something like this i I forget my words, <laughs> I get nervous and I, I, I can remember the ideas and I forget the specifics, so thank you. Um, and communications are another big one. A lot more people are are exchanging medical information with their caretakers through these portals. And I do okay with my St. Luke's, but I know a lot of people can't access them at all and it and it, they work differently in different areas around the country and we need to make that fair the other day i left my dentist office and they gave me a piece of paper with a um a specialist i need to see and they gave me a piece of paper because she said the woman who was who is the emailer was out for the day nobody else could email me right and so oh, and then yes. they said they would call me but um you know I, that that isn't accessible. Yeah, I'm lucky I have an iPhone. I could scan it. I could get the number. But I'm just going to sit around and wait till they call me because, you know, they didn't give me the information in an accessible format. And I kind of have the luxury because it's not a serious situation like it is for some people. So all of all of the aspects of getting medical care have a lot more work we need to do to get equal access comparatively to our cited counterpoints. Our next finger, our little Before ring finger. Before you move to
2: that, Sheila, I just wanted to interject that um, not just the accessibility factor, but the uh, the whole thing around blindness etiquette in the medical field. Um, um,
3: We're going to have to grow a sixth finger, Tom.
2: Uh-oh. Okay, well, <laughs> let's go on to the ring finger then. <laughs>
3: Uh, so anyway yeah our ring finger that is all about accessible nutrition um we need the information everyone else can just casually glance at a box granted we now have some devices smartphones and you know uh the um The Alexa show, you can hold up a can or a box in front of it, and it will tell you what it is. We do have tools, but we have to go to a lot more trouble, and not everybody has the same tools and the same access, so we need access to nutritional information so that we can engage in healthier eating, because really as our grandmother said, and it is still true, we are what we eat. If you just go through your life eating hot dogs, it's not Mm -hmm. a good thing. So we need to be able to and maybe there's something that you currently eat that you didn't think is that bad. But if you actually read the box or had somebody read it to you, holy cow, it's like you might not ever want to eat that again. Mm -hmm. And last but not least is our little pinky finger. And we've saved the best for last, the most important to some people, that accessible, durable medical equipment. Um, when we crack this nut, when we get this act passed, we will truly finally be in the pink. So everybody high five.
2: Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Well, <laughs> <a> great great <laughs> job, Sheila. to she, you, know, <laughs> Tom. Well, and I would say that um, the whole area of... Uh, the whole issue with hr 4853 is around accessible durable medical equipment in tier two and tier three so those would be things for audience to know that include glucose meters insulin pumps um, continuous glucose monitors and some non-diabetes related stuff, which I think is fabulous. So blood pressure monitors, oxymeters. So the impact of this legislation just is not just around better management of one's diabetes, it's better management of one's health. And so that's why I want to reiterate your point, Sheila, about you got to get some skin in the game, roll your sleeves up, get some skin in the game and get out there and talk to your, uh, congressional representatives. Uh, there's no companion bill in the Senate yet, but doesn't mean you can't call your senators and say, "Hey, we got this going on in the House. What do you think on the uh, on the Senate side of having companion bill?" So um, that now is the time to strike. And I, I don't want to overstate what Sheila said, but I couldn't agree with her anymore that we have to get out there and we have to advocate, or nothing's going to change. So what's mm-hmm. after San Francisco? Oh, let's get back on our agenda. So San Francisco is going to be a great exciting time. That's in May, May 14th. Uh then we fast forward to convention to June, and that's gonna be any number of things are still uh being worked on and worked out where we we may have a uh a get up get moving walk across the second largest pedestrian bridge in the country, which is kind of cool because at one point on the bridge, you can have one foot in Iowa and one foot in Nebraska. I believe that's what it is. So that's kind of neat. And that's, that's something we could have T-shirts printed up for. And we could really have a strong visibility. And then we want to do our part, you know, because we are in the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. We are very interested in collaborating with uh, other ACB committees and and people that are working on uh, the whole health and wellness uh, initiative uh, that we're talking about today, and that's Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Thank yeah. you, please, yes, yeah. Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, and um, this may also be something that we can encourage at the legislative um, leadership conference. It uh, might
3: be, um, and and I think Donna Brown is is heading that committee, and. Cheers. And there might be a disco dance event.
2: Might be a disco dance there event. There might yes. be.
3: So fun. I don't know about
2: you, but I could do my John Travolta imitation. You'd love that, right? So staying, <laughs> alive, staying alive. So We
3: definitely would.
2: And then we're going to round off the year. We don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but um, and it's going to be, in my opinion, kind of hard to outdo. We did last October 15th, which, as you all should know, is White Cane Safety Day. Uh, We did a six-hour dance party, and um, it was, Sheila was my cohort crime that day, and we had a lot of fun with music trivia, with different musics, genres, starting from the 60s and going all the way through the 2000s, so. I thought maybe this year we could have cane sword fights or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that at our committee meeting next week. But yes, <laughs> in other words, Sheila, shut up! <laughs> no, no, no. I, that's, I, I'm up for anything. But that's so awesome. yeah, I think I blind people yeah.
3: came fighting. I mean, that we could get some media coverage. I think you know, yeah, get a little yeah.
2: attention, <laughs> right? So yeah, I mean, I I don't know, Swatha. You know, the audience. Um, Hope some of the audience was able to tune in to uh, the, the, you know, the white cane safety day dance party we did last October. It was a lot of fun, um, a lot of work. Um, so we have to, we'll have to put our th- creative thinking caps on, but she has already come up with an interesting idea. White cane. Uh, um, what do they call that? Jousting. I don't Sword know.
1: Fighting? Yeah. Sword
2: fighting. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's an ambitious agenda. Um you know, we're we're still we're actually meeting for the first time as a committee next uh, Thursday, the 13th, and Wednesday. Pardon me, um, or Thursday, whatever it is. But um, so uh, we're going to be hashing a lot of these things through. But um, you know, one thing I would like to say as the chairman um, is that we want uh, to partner with and collaborate with anybody who wants to join us. Um, we obviously can't have a committee of thousands, but we, we love people to participate in what we're doing, um, certainly share ideas about things you might like to see us do in the future. Um, and remember, I just want to remind everyone, this is a three-year campaign. So we're just, just, just getting off the ground here. Um, and I do want to take a moment, if I might swathe it, to introduce the full committee, just so your podcast listeners know who is on the committee and how they might reach out and contact them. So go for it. Yeah. So Dan Dillon is uh, on the committee. Um, He chairs our partners uh, subcommittee for Get Up and Get Moving. That's primarily around collaborations and fundraising. Um, Next is Connie Sims. And Connie is the co-chair with lovely Sheila of the advocacy subcommittee. And they're a formidable tag team. And we'll have lots of responsibilities uh, throughout this campaign, but in particular, uh, as we kick this thing off in March with the leadership conference. Um, Then we have Leslie Spoon, um, who is, yes, is uh, the wife of Dan Spoon, the president. And Leslie is co-chair of the publicity subcommittee and uh, just absolutely amazing hard worker. And I'm sure many, many of you have been, participating in her fitness exercise routines all throughout the week on the, the community call calendar. Um, so uh, that's Leslie. Then we have um, Sheila Styron is uh, on this call the podcast with me today, and Sheila is the other co-chair of Advocacy. Um, and Sets so an amazing example. If I can say this without embarrassing you, Sheila, you, you, you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk and you get out there and I know you're running, run the, the,
3: runs. the run, the the run.
2: <laughs> you got the Achilles group behind you. And, uh, and certainly last but not least is Terry Suarez. She is, um, a, a important part of the committee. Everyone's an important part of the committee. Um, but she's also the co-chair of publicity with, uh, Leslie Spoon and, uh, the two of them together <laughs> are a force to be recognized as well. I've got, I will say this, I have an amazing committee with, with people who are very goal oriented and driven. And um, I, I'm very blessed to be the chairman with, with working with such a group of people that are just so very focused on let's get the job done. And it's, it's a lot of fun. We work hard. I hope, I think we have some fun, don't we, Sheila? And. Um, I think we do. And then, yeah, so that's the six of us. And, uh, yeah, so it's a great group.
3: And I I guess my last word, I'll just just play drill sergeant a little bit here and say, you know, if, he, if you believe in the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, besides all the other things we've told you to do today, all I've asked you to do physically so far is to hold up one of your hands, well, I want you at the end of this podcast to get up and walk around your office 10 times or your living room or your house, or if you have the time, get outside and go for a walk. Just do something, actually do something physical to sort of show your commitment and I would and say that deserves so a woo There you go. Woo-hoo. That <laughs> was
1: awesome. Great, guys. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you guys so, so much, much,
3: Swatha, for the opportunity. Yeah. We had a great yeah. time.
1: Definitely. And that's a wrap, folks. As always, you can email us at advocacy as- at n- c- a- c- org. Or call me at 202-467-5081. Thank you, guys. Happy New Year. Take care. Keep Keep advocating.
0: This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www.acbminnesota.com. .org or call 612-223-5543 ACBM a supporter of the ACB Media Network